Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works. Or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is the award-winning Sanjeev Singh Kohli. Hello. 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 I have indeed won award. It Did was you? an ENT award. It was a bizarre <laughs> form of payment, but yeah. No, no. I, yeah, I'm also award losing. I'm also something of a bridesmaid. Well, we're, we're all award losing. Aren't yeah, we? yeah. Sure. But to be nominated, I remember once uh, Fags, Mags, and Bags got nominated for a Sony, and there were five nominees who all got invited on the yeah. night. But there was a gold, silver, bronze system, and we didn't win any of their medals. Oh. So you sat there as one of the two losers. And uh, oh. yeah, that was a fun night. It's really exciting to be asked along. Yeah. And your, your expectations are necessarily up, no matter what you pretend yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And I've been to a couple where we have won, and I went, that was a really well-organised award ceremony. I think they did a really good job there. And I've been to ones where we've lost, and I've gone, they did that wrong. It's terribly badly organised. Yeah. You, you tend to associate whether you had a bad time or a good time with something extrinsic yeah, to you winning. Yeah. <laughs> the food wasn't as good as the year we won, was yeah, it? Yeah, that's so stupid. Because it, it, it's all rubbish, especially if you sat on an awards panel. Oh, God, yeah. Because you, know you, you know how arbitrary it is. So basically, yeah. you've got usually a short list of three. And it's a bit like saying, okay, we have a satsuma, a chocolate eclair, and a tennis racket. Which is best? <laughs> well, they're all bloody good at what they do. I mean, I don't get vitamin C out of the tennis racket, and I don't get a good game of racket sports out of the satsuma. And so then it, be- then it becomes political. Well, the satsuma's already won an award for, you know, for best citrus fruit, I think, in the Dusseldorf <laughs> Awards. So we don't, the satsuma doesn't need the attention. And, we, and on it goes. So, yeah, it is genuinely enough to be nominated. And I've been in enough panels to say that to people. Pro- yeah. I promise you it's enough to be nominated. It's one of those silly things you can do is to put yourself up for it. Because it's a, it's a way of saying, I'm going to put my ego out there without any armour on. Yeah. And you can just hit it with a stick. Oh, totally, totally. 
and oh, and also I, I managed to fend Floyla Benjamin. Uh, so basically, fags, mags, and bags, which which Donnie McCleary and I have been writing and performing since uh, 2008. The first series got nominated for the Writers Guild. So Donnie and I sit in there, and there's a shortlist of three, and um, and then we won. And then I I, 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 I actually turned to Don and said, fuck me, which I thought was quite funny because we were winning a Writers Guild Award and the best I can come up with is fuck me. <laughs> so I went up to the mic and I said, I just said to my writing uh, colleague, fuck me, but that's probably a bit lazy, isn't it, for a comedy writer? And it got a bit of a laugh, right? <laughs> now, Floella Benjamin had been there that night to give away oh, a, a children's award and she was already quite raging because I think that day CITV had all its, had its, all its funding pulled. She was in a proper rant. She actually broke one of the awards because she, 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 she kind of... <laughs> <laughs> the Writers Guild Awards were kind of these kind of a bit like you know when Superman goes back to um, the, all those shards of ice the Fortress of Solitude yeah that crystals. one we know we, when the, the freezer really needs defrosted it was one of them yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she, was, she was having a right old go about lack of funding for extending she kind of banged it down and a shard came off <gasps> So it's almost like... Containing all the power of Floella. all the power of Floella. <laughs> but then the guy that won that award that she was about to give away very cleverly said, I'm, I, want to, I want to share this with the room so you all get a shard each. <laughs> so so I said, I'd sworn on the mic and then me and Donnie are a bit dazed and glazed afterwards. And then <laughs> Floella comes over and says, congratulations, darling, but why did you have to swear? Oh... Now, you know... You've let Floella down. But it was like she, was like she climbed out of the telly to berate oh, me. God. It was a bit like The Ring. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 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 I, and I suddenly just turned in that six-year-old watching police school. Like, and then what next? You know, is Tony Hart going to come down from the sky and berate me for drawing a cock of balls on a, <laughs> you know I mean, on a beer mat? It's what's... I've, I've had a very similar experience. One of the first award ceremonies I ever went to, I got overexcited. I was on a panel picking something ludicrous, like music or something. I shouldn't really be qualified to choose best music. And I was on this table and I got really giggly and excited about being there and I drank far too much. And halfway through the evening, Maura Stewart was giving an award out and she stopped giving her award out and said, unless the people on that table over there stop giggling. I will not give out any more awards like a headmistress. And I sat there and went, Maura Stewart's just told me off. <laughs> and, and that thing that you always do when you're told off at school, I looked around to see who she was talking to and then realised it was me. I'm now racking my brains for when I've been told off by TV royalty and I can't think of it. We'll get you Mine's one later on. Come. What about as a birthday present? We'll get you yeah. told off. Who would we'll you get- like to be berated by? Attenborough. <laughs> oh, go outside now and stab a leopard in the eye. I'll oh, no, get back to him. Just, just, get back just to use him. a plastic straw. Yeah, Asmore will get yes. really pissed off. That'll be easier, actually. Yeah. Word will get round. Put it out there now. He easily uses single-use straws. <laughs> <laughs> he throws away his four-pack wrappers and doesn't cut them first. He actually puts them on birds to wear his hats. Yeah. <laughs> Actively does it. I give it, I give it a week. You'll get you'll get an atabrabarating and no mistake. <laughs> Sand, you're um, you're one of the funniest people on Twitter. I God think. bless you. Oh. I, I just I I was just dipping through Twitter a couple of days ago, and there was one from you saying, "Call me old fashioned, but I just died of consumption." <laughs> <laughs> that one. I, what I have to confess that um, I, I do repeat my tweets because sometimes I think they simply didn't get enough attention the first yeah, time absolutely. That's fair enough. But I think it's fair enough. It's my stay with heaven. I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Frankie Boyle retweeted that one oh. the first time when there I had a few followers, and that gave me a bit of a. I got a lot of them it's, it's back a good often. Direct thing. Well, the thing people moan about Twitter, and obviously it is an absolute cat bin a lot of the time. But mm. what's good about Twitter, I think, is direct reaction. Yes. Which is a writer you sometimes don't get. As a performer, you can oh, get completely. it. But as a writer, you don't get that. Well, the lovely thing is, if you put something up you're really pleased with, there's an immediate feedback of people enjoying it. Well, I'm someone who doesn't do a lot of live performance. I mean, yeah. the, just the way that I arrived in this business, I started as a radio presenter who then got into sketch writing and then got into sketch performing, but avoided the stage the whole time. I've, I yeah. did stand up once. Mm. I do 
you're comparing it off to dinner, but it's not the same thing. So that is kind of my stand-up. And you do get the instant reaction. But then also, I mean, I remember once uh, I was listening to Six Music and they played the selector. One of the old tunes. Yeah. Mm. And I love the selector. And Pauline Black. I thought, oh, Black, Pauline Black, Black and Decker. Oh, there's got to be a joke in there. And then I went on Twitter and I said, has anyone heard this collaboration between Pauline Black and Carol Decker? <laughs> I hear it's quite industrial sounding. Okay, so, so, so it's an all right joke. It's an all right joke. Kind of middling, right? So I got the usual reaction of, uh, you know, applause, boo, blah, 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 die. Tenth reply back was, what are you talking about? And it was Carol Decker. <laughs> And I checked her timeline, it was her, because she just had two toilet with Cox, it was definitely her. And I suddenly panicked and went, oh, I said, it's just a joke. And then she replied, no, no, I know that. It's just, I recorded stuff with Pauline a couple of months ago and I didn't know anyone knew about it. What? Oh my God. Whoa. Now, what my reaction should have been was, did you not think there might be a corporate tie-in? <laughs> did this never occur to you? She's very active. I remember legendarily when we worked for... I might mean just before we worked for Viz or when we worked for Viz there was a letter someone wrote in and said Dear Viz does anyone remember Carol Decker she was fit as a butcher's dog Yours, <laughs> one of those pointless Viz letters which is just <laughs> a thought that shouldn't have had a stamp put on it next month there was a letter Dear, Dear Viz I am Carol Decker. I am still fit as a butcher's dog. <laughs> Photo enclosed. Love Brilliant. Carol Decker. She's quite alert to people yeah. calling. When, when the when the Tapao bat signal goes up, she does respond. Is it a good place to just get, I mean, talk about instant reaction, but also a home for single ideas? Because oh, yeah. obviously the rest of the work you do is very narrative and very mm. structured. Well, and any comedy writer knows that the first casualty of, of good structure is often jokes. Totally. Totally. I mean, I, I did a thing. Uh, it was uh, it was more. It wasn't so much jokes. It was a sort of stream of consciousness. I genuinely wondered what Christa Berg was doing, because <laughs> I thought Lady in Red. He probably doesn't have to work at all. Really, yeah. he probably just noodles about and hangs about with Jeff Lynne and they play squash and stuff. I don't know why Jeff Lynne, but I just put them yeah. together. <laughs> and then I, I did these tweets. I wonder what Christopher Berg's doing now, because you know, because of the royalties from Lady in Red, he's, yeah, he's probably he's probably in the Apple shop now buying a case for an iPad that he doesn't have. Because <laughs> then I built this backstory of him being a technophobe because he got burnt by the laser disc, right? So I just do these series of tweets about you know my you know, imagining, and then I got involved in a musical project. And the second song I wrote was I Wonder What Christa Berg Is Doing Right Now, which is three verses of me speculating about what Christa Berg is doing. And then the fourth verse was it comes evident that I've been reeking through his bins and I've been extrapolating. <laughs> I've been put to, putting together the garbage jigsaw of what Christa Berg's been doing. And I'll never know what Christa Berg's doing because there's exclusion order. I can only speculate. So that was it. That was it. I mean, that came specifically yeah. from a Twitter kind of rant I went on. But it's a good place to doodle. I think what is always impressive when someone writes as well as you do in that form, that sort of haiku, one-liner, sort of Steve Wright almost. Stephen Wright. Yeah. Steve Wright. Thank Stephen Wright. Thank you, Romain. Thank you, Romain. Yeah. Actually, they both are. Yeah. While we're on it, I really like Steve Wright and I really like Stephen Wright. But yeah, that, that, that thing of working over that short distance, Twitter really suits that. And I think it's been forgotten in the sort of the turning of Twitter into a place for sort of political turmoil that it was brilliant for that. Yeah, when yeah. it first started, Peter Serafinovich used to be really good at, yes, at using yeah. it that way as well. But it's, it's a good home for, if you've got an idea that fits in that format, the, the restrictions of the format are part of the gift. Also as well, I mean, it causes you to be, and this is something that Chris Morris has also taught me, mm. not taught me, and never went to a lecture, but just in terms of every word is sacred. Yes. Yeah. And you know, yeah. if there's a better alternative, then use it. Twitter's great for that. Sometimes you you have to because you've run out of letters, but it's like, I, I, I agonised over one recently, which was, and, and it took me a few goes, but the, but the gist of it was, I was invited to Fran Healy's house for dinner. All I got was frozen water. It was a travesty of just ice. <laughs> now, it kind of works better written down, but that took, that was as painful to write as it was for you to listen to, because it was, it was like proper sculpture. It took a few goes, but I was... 
for me, the beauty of that tweet is not the actual joke, but the fact that I got the, the end yeah, of it yeah, all. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In that, because it was back then, it was still only 140 characters, so I had to be very, very select about the words that I used and the ideas. But there's something funny in wasted craft as well, which I think is just genuinely funny. I think yeah. it's never not funny to watch someone waste too much time and effort on something that <laughs> yes. wasn't worth the bother. Because yeah. you, know, you know that from the responses you get, and not very often it, the pun will generate an idea. So, yeah. for example. I just walked past a white supremacist milliner's called a hat for every Caucasian. <laughs> now, it's not so much the pun as the idea that there might be a white supremacist milliner. It's yeah, quite yeah, funny. Yeah. And that's something that could end up in a sketch show or, you know, a, yeah. you know that's a funny idea. But it came from a pun. It's, it's, it's like working backwards. So you're absolutely right. I, I use it also just to stay match fit. Yeah. Yeah. Just to keep yeah. in that zone. Because I'm not a stand-up, I'm not generating material for a bit. So I will just generate material for the sake of staying in the zone. Because yeah. you, I mean, you both know this. I mean, for me, sketch comedy, I mean, this should be more sketch comedy because I think that I mean certainly where I cut my teeth you know what it's like if you've been if you've got a commission for a sketch show and you're into the fourth day of writing sketches everything yeah. everything can become a sketch you're yeah, in yeah. that place yeah. you're, you're, you're buzzing you're, you're, that muscle is throbbing and so I try to stay at that kind of tonic level if I can by tweeting and by just seeing the world and through those eyes and it's been a godsend for me, actually. Have you found when you're taking time off that you come back to it and actually you've got to climb the hill again? Yeah. It's a bit slow. It's a I bit... find that every time we finish on something and there's a gap, I go on holiday or yeah, it's totally. Christmas or something, I come back yeah. a day and a half to get back up to speed. But then there's the muscle memory. I mean, and I'm sure that analogy is is exactly right. Yeah. Is that the, the, there'll be mind memory or memory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gun that's... bullets or bullets. <laughs> that's a, that, that, remind, that reminds me of a nice one-liner that I think Simon Evans wrote he said what's the difference between a buffet and an all you can eat buffet <laughs> but those one liners are, are hard to do aren't they I think I've written one ever which was mm, this 11th century Spanish food is very Moorish that's about as far as I got yeah. you know because they're really tough they are tough and also um, I was trying to work out what's the shortest joke that's ever been told my theory is that it's everyone generalises that's good. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's actually, really I, good. I went on Twitter and said the shortest joke is everybody generalizes. I said, well, everyone's shorter. <laughs> 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 counting characters. Yeah. yeah. And if you can that's get great. the rhythm right as well, it's just, you, you, there is a satisfaction about it, definitely. But like Twitter is my, that's where the dad jokes go. And I've I've come to accept that some of them are dad jokes because I used to go, yeah. oh, not dad jokes, but they kind of are dad jokes. They're just really well crafted ones. They're so the best I'll, ones. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take that. I, I won't take a bad dad joke. It's got to be yeah. a good dad joke. Yeah, some dads are better than others. Uh, well, the four men that I think might be my dad, one is definitely the best. <laughs> definitely. And he's the Asian one. <laughs> I was stunned by my, my son just saying, oh, more dad jokes, and me realising that every one of my jokes had become a dad joke just by dint of me being a dad. Do you know what I mean? And we are relatively successful comedy writers <laughs> in a very hard field. And yeah, yeah, my, oh, honestly, when my kids roll their eyes, they could fucking turn back time. And like, this is, you're getting the good stuff here. Did you guys, or do you guys' kids go out at Halloween? Yes, yes. yeah, trick or treating. Yeah, yeah it's right, okay. happening, yeah. Do they do a joke or a gag? Or a song? No, or, no, just demand sweets with menaces. Seriously, in Glasgow, you got to do a turn. Really? Yeah, so my boy you. Vinny, who's eleven now, but he was—I think he was six when he first. We call it guising in Scotland. I said, "So, what's your joke? Uh, you can't just go dressed as a teenage mutant ninja turtle." And um, he said, "Okay, uh, why did the chicken cross the road? Because he was a uh, Mister Poohhead." Okay, that's a pretty good joke. Now I said to him. Oh, I hate to break this to you, Benny, but that's not a joke. Why not? Uh, I said, I can't understand why you think it's a joke. Why did the chicken? Da, da, da. But it's not a joke. He said, why is it not a joke? And I thought, well, why is it not a joke? Okay, let me tell you a joke, and I'll explain to you why that is a joke. Fine, okay. And I'm thinking, right, well, okay. Okay, uh, why did the skeleton not go to the party? They had no body to go with. And he said, why is that a joke? I said, well, because no body is two things. It's no body as a no physical body, but no body is no one. And then he said, why is that funny? 
Oh. And I said, just tell the Pooha joke because I've forgotten now. The, <laughs> the, the whole thing, the whole no, he's right. the phone because, yeah. And then I thought, well, why is that funny? Why why do we find those double meanings funny? What's in it for us as humans? Do you know they say if someone falls over on the bus, you're laughing because it wasn't you? Yeah. So there is an anthropological reason yeah. why there's you're evolu- laughing. There's evolutionary anthropology behind jokes. Yeah. And it's, apparently it's to do, a lot of it's to do with surprise. Yeah. And I've always said, that when you talk about this to scientists, it's to do with surprise and pattern spotting. Yes. There's an enormous serotonin reward for being able to spot patterns because it yeah. will keep your tribe alive for the next winter if you can spot when the patterns of weather. I think. So you're, you're trying out when you're watching anything, any joke, this is my theory, mm. when you're watching anything, to try out your pattern spotting ability. And some of that can be, can you spot the difference between two words that sound the same, two sentences? Sounds like the same. And you get a little, oh, I spotted that. And you get that when when Mannering behaves like Mannering. You go, yeah. I knew he'd do that. Little, little yeah, yeah, and yeah. when he behaves out of character, you go, oh, I'm surprised. Well, I knew how he was meant to behave, so I'm spotting patterns and changes in patterns. There is a delight in that. So I imagine there's that in puns. But the poo head is funnier than the yeah. body joke yeah. because yeah. it's more of a surprise. Yes, true, true. And because it's got poo in it. It's got poo in it. Do you know then, does it stop being funny because Vinny didn't know the... Do you know it's that thing of Picasso's oh, work yeah. is only works because he can paint? Yeah. Yes, possibly you're making... You know what the form is, so it's been broken. Yeah. Did you know, I only found this out last year, why the why did the chicken cross the road joke is funny. What the joke is. What is the joke? It's a joke from either late Victorian or early Edwardian times, the earliest they can date it. And it's really weird because it's the, it's the joke you first tell your kids. And weirdly, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side is not a joke. It's not it's, a joke. It's, a jo- it's an un-joke, except yeah. if you're a late Victorian or an early Edwardian person, when the spiritualist church is absolutely massive, and the phrase the other side meant death. Death. Oh. Why did the chicken cross the road? To die. To get oh. hit by a car, to get hit by, by a thing. So apparently it is a double oh. meaning, but one that we've lost. But weirdly, you still tell it to your kids Ooh. because it's the shape of a joke, but it's kind of, it's become an unjoke yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the original teller, there was a joke to it, which, yeah. I, again, it's only a theory. I read an article on it and thought, I've told that joke thousands of times yeah, without I never stopped, it. I never stopped to question it. <laughs> well, I think which this obviously brings us perfectly onto the subject we're going to talk about, which is a comedy show that relies entirely on surprise and words. Mm. I think mm. that works, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think, think we can so, do yeah. that. I we can we can glue these two bits together perfectly. Hang on, I was just going to get a hammer. Hang on. <laughs> That's, that's next pop. bit. You uh, might want an extra bit of wood just to hammer in to join them together. Slightly flipped to that. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's secure. Right. That's braced. Uh, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, right. So, what uh, what have you brought in to show us? I have brought you blue jam. Oh. Yes, um, Chris Morris. I think um, at one point I thought it was the finest thing that had ever been made by anyone ever, <laughs> and I, you know I, pro- I think I might stand by that. When you fruit sack. Sharp in gob while you wish Satsuma. Then welcome. Mm. Uvaj welcome. In Blue Jam. Blue Jam. Blue Jam. I'm sure you were the same Chris Morris obsessives from the first time I'd heard him, which probably, I'm try- I think it was the day to day, and then I went, then it was a Radio 1 shows. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was why bother? And then I think I was managing to find the GLR stuff and and all that. And then there was a network of swapping them, especially yeah. when, when, when the internet first came out. They became things that people swapped. Yes, yes, trinkets. Yeah. And um, in fact, yeah, I remember got someone giving me his the Boxing Day show he did in Radio One on a C ninety, and I played it so much I broke the tape. And I've, to this day, I've never admitted 
to the oh, guy no. that gave me that tape because I can't, I can't face him. Now, obviously, you can get that on YouTube now, but I yeah. still have, can't face the guy because that was like... It's a precious artifact. Precious, precious artifact. So he'd done Brass Eye, um, and which apparently nearly killed him, just the legals. And then the next thing he was going to do was this thing called Blue Jam. And it just... I think the original title was going to be Apes and Music. I think that's what he was going to call it genuinely. Yeah, I think because, you're right. Yeah. I seem to remember that. Because yeah. I think what what he did was, when he'd recorded them, because I, I, I read a book about it, when he'd recorded them, he was going to play it out to... His brother Tom was at the Battersea Art Centre at the time, yeah. running things there. Yes. I think he was going to have a darkened room, have people lie down and just listen to it. And the fly that went out was Apes and Music. And, um, but so then, like an immersive, like a, yeah. a, a site-specific art piece. Yes, but I mean, that's what it is. I mean, he said it himself. It's kind of like when, you, when you've got the flu and you, yeah. your, your mind's just like galloping all over the place. And uh, you, the, he came up with one of these beautiful impressionistic words, which is oozy-woozy or something. Mm-hmm. And you're in that kind of bizarre kind of liquid state of mind and then this happens. Uh, I was absolutely blown away by it. Also, you, you kind of think, oh, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know, like these trip hop and comedy I mean it's just it, why Why the hell not it's, it's, it's perfect timing I mean this is another probably one of the last projects of, of Matthew Bannister yes. when he was in charge of Radio 1 where he'd done something to Radio 1 where he'd allowed comedy on it so sort of Lee and Herring were on yes. Chris Morris was on doing the music shows which I think still remain probably my favourite things yes. he's ever done Just they were so effortlessly yeah. better than they, need, they needed to be yeah um, and Matthew Bannister sort of let him have one last sort of canter uh, around the paddock with this because apparently they had said no more comedy on Radio 1 yeah and but he broke, broke the rules to let Chris do this particular show. The timing was perfect for because you've had sort of three or four years maybe of comedy being the new rock and roll. Sort of Newman and Badil playing huge venues. That sort of 90s yeah. comedians as rock stars thing. And then Chris's sort of last thing for the radio is not made as a comedy show. It's made as a music programme yes. for a music channel. Yeah. And it happens at exactly the same time as Trip Hop's big ambient culture, chill-out yeah. culture, warp records, yeah. all these things coming together, which all to do with sort of changed headspace. And then you pipe comedy into that. And a lot of those bands and things were big comedy fans. Yeah. There's a huge crossover between all the bands who are making that music and comedians and the comedians liking the music and the musicians liking the yeah. comedy. And it feels like the perfect mashup of admitting something which we've said a million times on this podcast, that comedy is music. It's all to do with rhythm it's jazz. and atmosphere and, and tone yeah, and feel yeah. and, and going faster and slower and things. And this is saying... <laughs> Hey, rather than doing the fa- the fast shows on television at the same time, yeah. that's punk. That's as yeah. fast as you can go. That's ramalamalama gabba techno. Yeah, let's do the woozy Aphex yeah. Twin Eno one. Yes. Let's mm. do the, the Adam Curtis soundtrack version of this. Yeah, and it's an incredibly clever thing to do. And yet, when you listen to it, you go, "It sounds really obvious." It does in retrospect, doesn't it? Because because it works so well, because it's so fully formed from yeah. from the get go, yeah. from that first monologue. Ooh, Arth, welcome. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. something occurred to me this morning that I, I was trying to work out where I'd heard that voice before. Yeah. And I'd always thought it's a bit Vivian Stanchel. It's a bit yeah. heavy. It's a bit. Who was Ra- a big influence on him, wasn't and it? Yeah, it's a bit yeah. Rawlinson End. What's the Rawlinson End intro? English as tuppence, changeless as canal water, nestling in green nowhere, armoured and effete, bold flag bearer, lotus fed, Miss Haversham,bling, hermit crab, tight fist eremite. Feudal still, reactionary, Rawlinson end. Well, we're on this though. Would you call something that's not as good as Vivian Stanchel? I don't know. Substantial. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Morris produced a substantial body of work. Uh, But the thing that suddenly struck me, and it reminded me of it, I got it this morning in a woozy, I've got a bit of a cold state. I was listening to Jam, and I went, oh my goodness, it's the beginning of Yellow Submarine. Oh. And the first, after the titles going, he goes, United Artists, at the beginning of Yellow Submarine, he goes, 
once upon a time, or maybe twice, there was an unearthly paradise called Pepperland. Yes. Once upon a time. And it's just that storytelling, slightly woozy, psychedelic voice. Went, oh, this is a... There's a psychedelia to this yes. that links it to Stanley Unwin's little links on Ogden's Nut Gone Flake. It's got a yep. real hipster's He dropped it, and he used to drop in over cutlers. Yeah, yeah, he's in yeah. the first that episode, world. isn't yeah. it? Something from My Disposition. My Disposition, where is it? Wet Handle, is that the name of the album? Yeah, Wet Handle, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's, got, it's a cousin of all these things from his record collection or his yes. family's record collection or his friend's record collections. Weirdly, even though it's completely unprecedented, it has echoes in things you've heard before yes. that it's really nice to be reminded of. Yeah, yeah, and it, well, it is comforting. I mean, because it's a fully, like, surround sound experience, you can <laughs> completely immerse yourself in it. That's, I was about to say, that's probably to do with it being... It's a radio programme, but radio programmes are meant to go in the corner of the kitchen while yeah. you're washing up, 6.30, which is why radio programmes that go out at 6.30 open up with someone shouting, It's not now! Yeah, so yeah. you can hear it over the dishwashing. Whereas this goes out at midnight and no one's got the radio on at midnight. Yeah. They've got headphones on. Yeah, yeah. He wanted it to go out between three yes. and four in the morning. <laughs> he wanted he? Because, it to go out as late as it yeah. could go without it being early. Yeah. What's the latest time of day? Yeah. Which is brilliant. Which is great. I mean, it's so, it, it's quite, can, the whole thing is very counterintuitive in prospect. I once asked him, how, how do you get from Brass Eye to Blue Jam? Because it is such a change of gear. And he said, I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but he said something like, when you spent so much time in such bright colours, it makes sense to sit and study the greys for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Well, brass so, eye is, oh, the word brass is, a, it's a blaring, yeah, yeah, yeah. shouting, loud, it involved celebrity, and yeah. it, was a, it was a passage of importance and pomposity. <clears throat> and this is just about, it's all about little people, it's all about little lonely yeah, people, yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. a sort of drunken baker's vibe to it, everyone's oh, in a state of despair, oh, Beckettian yeah. awfulness. Yeah. <laughs> He said he needed a piece on street sausage vendors and offered me 200 quid if I sampled 30 sausages and filed by Friday. The angle was, we don't know which ones make you sick. Susie said 200 pounds was very low for 2,000 words. Not as low as 20 pounds, I said, which is what you paid me for being sick in that documentary. It shares a lot of the preoccupations, though, that, that are in things like Brass Eye. There's, there's an awful lot of stuff about worrying about being a parent in Blue Jam. Yeah, yeah. Kids having genital transplantations and, you know, kids going missing and all that sort of thing. There's yeah. lots of that sort of basic worry. It's late-night anxiety. Dealing with Simon on Friday. Should I book a babysitter? No. He's not going to turn up now. You don't suppose he thought... We were picking him up from school. Maybe I'd better give Mrs. Hill a call and just check if he's been standing outside for a couple of weeks. Mm. Good idea. Just also the, the, the notion of being a child at all, which yeah. obviously he played on in the paedophile special, yeah. The, yeah. The, which came up two years after that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the four-year-old girl that, mop, you know, mops up the murders. Yeah. I, <laughs> yes. mean, that, I mean, that, that is... 
quite, I guess you could argue, quite a simple construct. But what he brings to it, I think, is also in the performance because it's so understated. In the same way that Big Train, which is something else I could talk about for 75 minutes, yeah. I adore as well. The performances are, I mean, it feels incredibly real. Well, Chris did the pilot for Big Train. Yes, and but yeah. borrowed, I think he borrows almost all the cast apart from Simon Pegg. I find this fascinating. You can trace a performance style shift through comedy from say, Python, which is good acting, mm-hmm. but still in a sort of uh, sketch show. Sort of vaudeville key. shouty sort of. Yeah, yeah it's a little yeah. bit bigger. It's a, it's a smoker yeah. a stage show performance thing. And that, but within that, that tradition are people who tried a more naturalistic approach. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by Mel Smith as a voice that never gets talked about. Yeah. Someone who took Oxbridge comedy down yeah. into sort of red brick drama and it became a little bit more, you could tell in those not sketches and the Smith and Jones sketches that he turned everyone down a couple of notches. Yeah. There were a couple of Smith and Jones sketches that could have been in Big Train and Graham and Arthur wrote for yes. Smith and Jones. Yeah, that was there's a sketch, wasn't there's it? There's a yeah. line yeah. straight through there and then off the back of Big Train and Graham and Arthur going, what if we turn everyone down a couple of notches and then say... Instead of get to the end of the sketch as quickly as possible with many jokes, what if you get to the end of the sketch in about 30 seconds uh, and then we just fade out slowly yeah. so you just keep saying the same thing over and over again yeah. or you get the giggles or something? And that, I think, is what then goes into Blue Jam. Look, I'm sorry, but I do actually have to buy a case of wine. I'm quite obviously old enough to buy it. Well, it could be false hair, couldn't it? False hair? That'd be ridiculous. Uh, tell me, how old are you? I'm 25. And invents almost a new texture that we hadn't had before. Well, I mean, in terms of taking what we, the basic comedy kind of rules and stuff, I mean, do you remember the Doctor sketches where it was, I feel like a pair of curtains put itself together, but <laughs> yeah, stretched yeah. out it's over three minutes. Slowed down to three and a half minutes, and it's yeah. just And it's that thing of, you're just talking about it, the comedy of expectation, you know what he's going to say. And you're thinking... What, Chris Morris is going to do that joke? <laughs> well, actually, that's like John Coltrane doing My Favourite Things. Yeah, yeah. Got, Here's a simple tune. It's a yeah, simple yeah, yeah. doorbell of a tune. And it's going to be 12 minutes long and we're going to do every <laughs> yeah. variation we can do yeah. on da 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 And that is one of my favourite things ever as well, is Coltrane doing that as well. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. But that's jazz. I think the best thing you can do is... Pull yourself together. Thanks. Bye then. Bye. There's still that thing of morality, but playing with the lines of morality. One of my favourite sketches is the the dead. Dead baby plumber sketch, yeah, yeah. right? Now it's a horrible idea that Amelia Bulmore's character would want the plumber to fix her dead baby, but the plumber has a price. <laughs> That's the thing. That, that for me is what yes. makes the sketch. Is that he yeah. says, "She says for three grand an hour, would you do it?" Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, when we think of Chris Morris as this this kind of mad comedy lab master sort of thing, there's a beautiful sketch, which is <laughs> we're overhearing an argument between a man and a woman. There's a tradesman's been around and has fitted a house wheel. <laughs> Do you remember this sketch? Yes. And, yes. and, and so he, she said, what are you talking about house wheel? He said that the house needed a wheel. I didn't have one. You paid someone two grand to put a tractor wheel in the house. Well, he said we needed it. And then the, the sketch ends with you hearing the guy sniggering because he's overheard this. And it's, I mean, that's that's a beautifully simple idea. But what was nice, I think, was I guess it's what you got from from Chris Morris in his Radio One shows. You got actually got Chris Morris. You got a sense of yeah. who he was. Well, the thing that's always shocked me is that he gets this sort of reputation. Partly, it's so simple. He gets a reputation for being dark and shadowy and mm. mysterious. 
because he didn't do many interviews. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Just He wanted to carry on working and didn't want to talk to people about yeah. it. Just let the work stand for itself. And then everyone goes, well, he's dark and mysterious. And if you meet Chris or you even look at his work, he's extremely silly yeah. and extremely yeah. naughty. Yes. He's a naughty yes. little boy. He's a naughty little boy. And, and you get that in Blue Jam. You get the silliness. Yeah. The wordplay, the impressionistic wordplay. It's, oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's bubbling and burbling and silly. And, and yeah. just, it's really easy to be... Uh, polysyllabically rich yeah. in a Stephen Fry kind of it's not easy but that's one tone you can do it you can yeah. do those things what I love is his love of monosyllables yes yeah. there's a lovely phrase with and vanue to the fens yeah. <laughs> yeah. how have you managed to make poetry out of vanue yeah. to yeah. the fens yeah. or, or you'll do that thing of playing with the format where there was one um, there's one of the monologues that I think he wrote with Robert Katz yes and the one where uh, Susie <laughs> is getting married and he just he does this line from nowhere her eyes done a sexy <laughs> It's really, really simple, and it, it, honestly, it's that, I think that's what I liked about it. Because he talked, you know, I think I don't know if he talked about it, but talk, you can laugh with your belly or smile with your forehead. But with Blue Jam, you got the full spectrum. Yeah, it can be incredibly yeah. silly and stupid and made up words, and and I, I, I love that he would just go for that. He would just make up these words, and um, that in the warm arts, we're strong on people. How. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The first word you'll think of when someone talks about Blue Jam is they go, oh, it's dark. Mm. I think it's dark and. It's dark and it's got... It broke open new areas you could go into, possibly, yeah. by saying that it could be delightful to break these taboos in kind of a, uh, a naughty late-night secret through the headphones. You don't have to share it. No one has to hear yeah. that you're enjoying a forbidden joke. It's a really safe taboo buster. And there's lots of dark comedy that comes after this. There's a big debate going on in comedy at the moment about where comedy and drama cross yes. over. But very often it goes to a point where you go, well, is it even comedy anymore? The real joy of this is there's no point in this that it isn't comedy it's a sketch show mm. the jokes are as long as a joke the sketches are as long as a joke you don't have to live in this bleak world it'll be yeah. over in a second they're in tablet form in a second the eels will be on it'll yes. cheer you up yeah, the yeah. balance of it is totally and unarguably comedy yes. and supposed to delight yeah. it's not meant to just unsettle and very often when someone says I'm going to do some dark comedy you go oh right I'm just going to be unsettled or upset or just yeah. shocked or just nauseated Yes, but there's no sense that he just wants to do that he wants well, to make doing, you happy he's doing something in this he's working more than one register because there is yes. the, the plumber <laughs> looking at the baby register but then there's also Michael Alexander St John oh, reading club. the clubs oh, it's seven oh, foot brilliant. tall night at the fussy bender in Cardiff <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah. some truly hexagonal dope on this weekend at the the bop sheds and flash tunnels. Right? Oh no, that's ridiculous. There's also, like, there, there are two registers of music, at least, in this. There is the, there's the woozy stuff, and there's, and there's also some, you know, like, Funky Porcini and yeah. uh, The Great Sound of Letting Go by Mood Swings and things like oh, that. Oh, which is by, beautiful. Billy by Naked Funk, which is a great Which is, again, track. it makes me cry. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful, isn't it? But there's also, if you listen, you've got, there are bits of the Raymond Scott quintet in yeah. there, and there are bits of Mr. Scruff, and yeah. there's, there's a whole loop um, made out of a Jim Reeves song and stuff yeah. like that. So there's all sorts of different registers playing with each other. Yeah. But all kind of gluing together in, into this wonderful confection. As, yeah. as in, it's not just dark. There is lightness in it. I think one of the things that makes it lovely is that if it was just one mood, it is a tone, but it's not just one mood. The, what you're also saying there, which I think is really important, is this is not made as purely comedy. It's comedy and music stuck together. Mm, yeah. And they put out CDs, and there are versions you can watch on YouTube with the music taken yes. for licensing reasons. Yes. And I don't think it, or even the TV show, works without the music. Yeah. The music gives you clues and lacunas between the sketches that without them you're not in the right mood for yeah. the sketches and it's another thing that makes the, the Chris Morris music show so lovely is that I just want to spend time with this guy in yeah. his world yeah. which is something he got and from Kenny Everett yes yeah 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 well, he's a big Kenny Everett fan and he's got this mm. thing of curating a music show yeah. and also being a, an yeah. absurdist ringmaster and you go, the two of them are together and also when he does the his own musical parodies and we knew how good he would be at that because yeah. he'd done them all done but you know when he's doing like I guess he's impersonating Tricky isn't he here she comes, here she comes, here she comes, the Mary Ann Hobbs, Mary Hobbs, Mother Charlie. Left the corner of her great big head, supported by a wooden buttress. Now when she smiles, it looks like an exploding spig. But I haven't got, I think Mark Goodyear gets it twice. <laughs> um, I know Chris Moyles gets it, 
But Marianne Hobbs, who I thought was an ally, gets it. But I, I think that just goes to show anyone's fair game. But, to, you know, again, to do that on that station and just to be completely naughty, I mean, that is the schoolboy thing, isn't it? Yes, he's taking yeah, the mickey just, out of the yeah, teachers. Yeah. Well, well, the guys who are supposed to be in charge and also saying to the people who are listening, you're Radio 1 listeners, you know these figures. So the only parameters for this one, unlike Brass Eye, where it will include Noel Edmonds and politicians and things. Yeah. The, the, the edges of this world are this music station. I'm just yeah. here. No one exists outside here. And even when he does bring in sort of celebrities, which he does a couple... Just the, a couple of David time. Bowie and Billy Connolly are in it. Oh, and they're just on my favourite sketch. Yeah. Which I, ble- I think was Lewis MacLeod, I think. Yeah, it was Billy Lewis. Phil, Phil Cornwall doing does, yeah. Bowie, yeah. We oh, yeah. asked Lewis about it, um, because it's... It, there's almost nothing in there. It's like he makes two noises. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> because you, 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 you know expect him to say brilliant or jobby, yeah. and all he says is, "Hello, middle finger, left hand, please." Let's have a look. Okay. Good. Thanks very much. Cheerio. And that's it. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. just a, a series of noises. And Lewis, said, Lewis said when he was doing it, Chris was saying to him, less, less, <laughs> less. <laughs> Whenever you work with an impressionist, they always say, we need the handles. If you're trying to make yeah. me say something that that character wouldn't say, it'll be really difficult. We need yes. to have the, the little catchphrases in there as yeah, the yeah. hooks to hang the impression on. And if you take them out. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's almost like how many lines would it take if you'd drawn a bit of paper to represent a dog? Yeah. <laughs> what are the minimum? Yeah. And what is the minimum you need to do a Connolly? Yeah. A suggestion Bowie. of Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Bowie one is him taking couple out for dinner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In, a, in a relaxed style or whatever it yeah. is. It's a strange joke because it relies on the fact that everyone kind of likes David Bowie. Yeah. 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 At the end of it, you go, what you've done, unlike what you do in Brass Eye, where you do something quite savage, you've said, I bet he's a nice man. Yeah. yeah, And it's nice to see that side of, of Chris Morris, isn't it? Because yeah. like you say, everyone thinks he's a mad professor. I had the, you know, you guys obviously know him a bit. I had the pleasure of meeting him once because I auditioned for Four Lions. Oh, oh Wonderful, and that was forty-five minutes. That I, um, he was just such a lovely, lovely man. And I have to say, like the, the casting director who knew I was a massive fan, he says, "Right, like, I've arranged an audition. Don't fangirl. Oh God, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise anything." And then uh, I went in, and I nearly did that thing. <laughs> I nearly did that thing that Rick does in the young ones when he meets his lecture. <laughs> oh, you've got the same trousers as me. I very nearly did that because he's wearing these cords. Oh, I've got them cords. Shut up, Sam. Do the audition. And he was such a, he was so lovely. But it was a bit of a blur because I did kind of have to sit on it a bit but I think I was reading for the lead oh, which, yeah. was, oh, which yeah. was Riz got yeah, that yeah, yeah. it was absolutely kind of astonishing so I was I was never going to get it so I, I just had to fucking squeeze into it didn't I fucking knees round me ears and it's four fucking foot cars only two foot six tall I mean what am I fucking noddy I like your observation about the morality as well, mm. because one, one of my favourite sketches from Blue Jam, and I, I must say Blue Jam I think is my favourite thing that Chris Morris has yet done, one of my favourite sketches from it was always the one where Julia Davis plays a woman who's won two and a half million pounds yes. on the lottery. <laughs> and has taken over a pub every yeah. night. She pays half a million pounds a year for the pub to be shut only to her, and she's horrible to the people who run it, and she brings gangs of thugs in to have fights and things. And, she, and the, at the end of the sketch, she says... I can't begin to tell you how much I despise people who do things for money. 
and how fascinated I am by what I can get them to do. Yeah. <laughs> Which is Terry Southern, it's the magic Christian. Yeah. Sort of counterculture writing, uh in terms of just this bebop wordplay, yeah. but also in the morality and saying people are venal and money corrupts yeah. and yeah. Uh, and life is silly and it's got the, it's got sixties absurdism. There's a chunk of an F Simpson in it, there's yeah. lots of Milligan and Antrobus in it, a yeah. bed sitting room kind of vibe to it. Yes, totally. It, it's I think if you're a comedy fan, the echoes are of really cool things yes. that are a bit secretive and underground. Derek and Clive, it's got yeah. it's got the sense of the, the well, thing Derek and Clive worked with is it was a secret. You listen to it on headphones, it yeah. was cassettes. You pass them around. Yeah, yeah. This was passed around secretly. If you were into this, you were into the heavy stuff. This is yeah. under the counter shit. I mean, you just have to listen to bad sex. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? oh, oh. That's utter genius. Shit your leg off. Piss yeah. on my hinge. <laughs> Roar up my twat. <laughs> Introduce me Follow to Gladstone. Me. Hello. Hello. Oh, but Sell my, my paper. T- my very favourite is... Dead up. Disagree with my balls. Really argue. Like <laughs> <laughs> your family yap. Chihuahua. Happy my Gladys. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, the joy of the language as well. Oh, yeah. So Cackle my Gladys. It's just... <laughs> it's it just even looks beautiful. It's it's so full of everything. Yeah. It's wonderful. The one that I'd forgotten, which I heard this morning, was the one. It's, it's, I think it's in one of the opening monologues where the where the guy's convinced that the traffic is winking at him, <laughs> and one of the cars says to him, "Good day, Mister Bantic Cootaloons." <laughs> Names as well. I uh, listened again to the sketch with Mr. Sussmessersleys. Oh, oh my God. And the more times people say Mr. Sussmessersleys without pausing for breath. This is Mr. Sussmessersleys who will be parking your car. Hello, Mr. Sussmessersleys. Hello, sir. Now, if you leave your keys with Mr. Prink in key reception, then he'll pop them through here and I'll give them to Mr. Sussmessersleys and we'll have a parked in no time. Um, perhaps I could give Mr. Sussmessersleys the key. Oh, no, sir. Right. Do you remember hearing it for the first time? I remember, yeah, because I'm, I, I definitely, well, obviously back in those days you had to listen to it as it went out because mm. you had to be there to play, play and record above anything else. Yeah. I don't think I listened to it on headphones, though. In fact, you know, when I was coming to do this, I thought I'd better revisit it yeah, yeah. in a while. And I, I did listen to the YouTube version with the music cut out, yeah. but I had the headphones on. And it was it's just such a much it's much better experience. But I don't I don't think I listened to it first time around on the headphones. I don't know why I didn't do that actually because that's the way you meant to listen to it. I just remember just as soon as that opening monologue kicked in and that music and it just it was so layered. Thinking this is just like nothing I've ever heard and <laughs> it's still comedy. But he stretched it, he's bent it, he's but also feeling that maybe I knew Chris Morris a wee bit better by the end of the hour. That's, and also, but that's also, amazing. But also hearing the Aphex Twin and thinking that was Chris Morris. I'd never heard Window Licker <laughs> before Blue Jam. And I thought, that's Chris Morris noodling about, isn't it? Wow. So I think that's... I'd love to think that they've met. They yeah. probably... I'm sure they've, you know, that him and Chris Cunningham and the three of them probably had... Hang out in Warp's offices. Do you know what I mean? Chris Morris is my music curator now, as well as my, you know, comedy template. Yeah, he's he's giving you a bunch of musicians who've got the same adventurous spirit. If you're into this sort of comedy, this sort of music will also appeal to you, yeah. which is a an unusual and very generous approach. Saying, yeah. "Come on, this is a multimedia-y thing." Yeah. When I remember the, the first time I heard this, I was given it on cassette by a friend, by a dear friend who's no longer alive anymore. But he, he used to we used to swap comedy and things when I worked in a shop, and he gave me as a birthday present. He'd made a lovely, beautifully curated box set 
of all hmm. the, the oh, jam wow. series. And I bunged it when you used to have a cassette Walkman. I bunged it on and walked around with it for about two months to listen to all of it. Oh. And the idea that it was originally written for a site-specific art piece really struck me earlier on because I had it in my headphones and it made reality different. Yeah. Wandering around with it on. Yes. The real world seems unreal, and yeah. you're in this sort of aquarium of nonsense. Yeah, aquarium, that's exactly what it is. Well, it made me, it made me feel like the guy in the monologue. <laughs> yeah. I, I played with my cream, which is it's just <laughs> on its own. One of my favourite lines in that, I think it's a, it's a, it's a Burt Katz and, and, and Chris one, which is, my wife said this would happen. She even got the date right, <laughs> which I think of almost every single day. Yeah. There's also the nice one about how it's hard to form a cogent thought when your mouth is a geezer of boiling pork <laughs> and he's been sent out to test sausages. <laughs> that features Keith Prodigy eating an unopened tin of rice. Why did he not change his name when he was on Brass Eye in the day-to-day? Why did he just call himself Christopher, Christopher Morris? Morris? Because that he's a- not a comedy performer. He's a DJ. He's trained as a presentation talent. I always wondered, as someone that fiercely protected his anonymity for you yeah, know, yeah. artistic reasons, why he never changed his name. It's really odd. It's just, mm. it, it does speak of a strangely sort of mixed attitude to fame. Do you, a- want, do you want to know how much that barrier between who he really is and uh, who he is as a performer is? The best example is we were walking through the street with... We'd been to see a movie with Chris and Richard Arwadi. Mm-hmm. And someone ran up to us and went, it's you, and handed Chris a camera to take a picture of him and Richard Arwadi. <sighs> and I thought, the only place you know Richard from, definitely at that point, was the IT crowd. Yeah. And you haven't noticed the other guy with us is also in the IT crowd. Yeah. And he made Chris take the picture of him and Richard and then walked off happily. Oh I thought Chris was invisible. <laughs> the, the character, even though he has the same name yeah. when he's doing a lot of his TV stuff, and he looks like Chris. Yes. Yeah. It was really weird. I went, wow, you have still managed to hide in plain sight. Yeah, that is weird. One time we were really bored, so I started tugging at the monument, you know, for a laugh. It's really funny with this. <laughs> Suddenly it it swung down and all all this beer came out of the house across the road. All the people were, like, washed out in, um, in, like, a big wave of beer. Watching the telly, was. So, Sands, you're a Scotsman. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the Welsh. (laughs) We haven't done the Welsh yet, have we? No. Well, we can do the Welsh. Oh, God. My fart smells like a target. (laughs) (laughs) They had it banging. (laughs) You soft bollock. That's Peter Bainham, isn't it? Yes. Digging about. Peter Bainham, who did it? Peter Bainham. Peter Bainham, he did it. Peter Bainham. Yeah. (laughs) That sketch from from the Radio 1 show is the best clue to the naughty schoolboyness of it. Him bullying his yeah. co-presenter. Yeah, all the stuff that he made um, Borgana do. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's being a dominant. It's, it's being the dominant boy in the gang. Yeah, which he pulls off. He's who is it who brilliantly said he's officer class? Oh, it was Kevin Eldon. Said yeah, he's, but Patrician, he's officer class. Yeah, which means he gets away with things yeah. in a way that uh, you find a bit frightening sometimes. I tell you what, though, the other thing, despite his his dislike of interviews, um, there was a really terrific piece in the Evening Standard many years ago about Peter Bainham. And the journalist made the point of saying that when he rang Chris to say I'm writing about Peter Bainham, Chris absolutely jumped at the chance to talk to this journalist just to say to him, he is the funniest person I've ever met yeah. and was absolutely lovely about him. And it's dead revealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he does seem to be very, a very... I mean, I, when I did the audition, he couldn't have been more generous. He was he honestly gave me... He, 45 minutes I was in that room with him. He probably knew within two minutes I wasn't going to get it. He still let me have a go at my Asian uh, Leeds accent. He's always on the lookout for people to work with and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's why he's pulled in 
unexpected people like David Can. Yeah. David Can's a great turn in this, isn't he? He does yeah. all sorts of good things. Oh, famously, obviously, Chris's dad was a GP, wasn't he? He just has, he just... If you could bottle David Kahn, it would be Essence O to GP, wouldn't it? I mean, he just, <laughs> yeah. he has that assuredness, but also, you know, he does a lot of things. My cock swing is big as, as high as yours. And he still sounds like a GP, even when he's making a man yeah. swing his cock up his arse. There's a, there's a sort of nice buried notion there that this might just be a very bored GP. You know? <laughs> so what he wants to do is to shock you or to make you swing your cock around yeah. or to say, I'm just going to kiss that. I'm going to give that a little yeah. kiss and make it better. Yeah. Coming back to that theme we're talking about, about morality and, and, and what you can make people do in certain situations. Yeah. You know that thing about when Kevin Eldon, I think, asks for the pay rise. Yeah. Just, yes. Well, I can't give you it, but what if I get Louise in and I sit on her head and fart on it? <laughs> and they play it out to when she actually apologises to her, which I think yeah. is interesting. Yes. yes. It's a bit um, like the You've Been Framed thing of yeah. you have to see them getting up and walking away at the end. It would be very easy to do badly. Yeah. If you said no rules, a bunch of hit music, you can be dark. And there's a brilliant, uh, Adam and Joe did a lovely parody of it. And obviously That's they're right, friends. Yeah. Mm. So it's yeah. not a it's not an unaffectionate parody called Goiter. Yes. And it's just what it would be like if a bunch of bloody art students did yeah. this and thought they had carte blanche to just be offensive. Have you found the fault? Here's your problem, mate. How's a dead baby back here? Oh my god! And you can see that that two percent difference—it's like bad Derek and Clive takes. Oh, I, I, honestly, I remember being in on a production, and I just remember this utter arsehole of a guy he was even he was he was like a runner or something and someone had done a joke he says oh mate you just made rape funny oh whoa I said no that's, that's uh, not the aim no no that's no. not what we're here for um but yeah like i say is it it, it it just um seems to spawn this horrible bunch of six formers that think that all that stuff is is just funny because it's dark and no there has to be a moral center or there has to be a, a center well, of humor in it it's by someone who knows what they're doing you mustn't do this badly i mean chris always said that when you do a dark joke you have to have the exits covered yeah. yeah, and whenever you see someone playing with this stuff, playing with notions of sort of uh, dark material and taboo busting, the number of times they don't have the exits covered. Yeah, yeah, and you know that Chris is used to defending himself yeah. because he's doing this for major broadcasters. The difference between doing this and doing a cheap rape joke on Twitter is that Chris has got to hand his homework in. Yeah, and he's a naughty schoolboy, but he's not a bad schoolboy. Yeah, he can mm. just he can justify his homework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you, after hearing this, did you find it hard to get out of the rhythms of this? Is this one of these things that is? You listen to and then go, I might end up accidentally ripping this off all the time. Oh, yeah. I always think, though, that we're obviously, even Chris Morris is influenced by other people, yeah. but it's about broadening those influences. You, you're the prism. It's yeah. what you choose to allow into the prism. Mm. So totally. if you listen to my work, I mean, I, I'd like to think with fags, bags and bags that love it or hate it, Donnie and I kind of have a house style a wee bit. Yeah. yeah. But you'll recognise a lot of Victoria Wood in there. Yeah. You'll recognise Armando and Chris in there, definitely. You'll recognise Fry and Laurie. Um, Christ, it might even be a bit of Eric Morecambe in there, who's a massive hmm. influence. It's or, sticking the influences together. It's interesting. It's, in, in a way, and then you do, I mean, it does become your own voice. Okay, you just choose two unusual things to stick yes, together. Yeah. You can be completely steeped in that. And of course, that works really well in comedy. I mean, look at the stuff they did for Big Train. Mm. Yeah. The, uh, the jockeys and the artists formerly known as Prince. Well, it's just taking, taking that Attenborough, who's yeah. on you, by the way. Yeah, he's, yeah. On, he's, he's on my case He's now. on your case yeah. right now. He's in, he's in a car now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just obviously, I mean, it's, it's quite a, seems like quite a simple confection to just have that, you know, of course it's Prince stalking a bunch of jockeys, but it works beautifully. Well, someone said that the opening titles of Big Train, which were like that game of uh, Consequence, where you stick a head with a body. Yeah. And all that's happening in those titles is this is how we write the show. Yes. We used to call those cut and shuts. Yeah. Uh, and cut it was, and shut! Uh, it was like the front end of one car and the back end of another yeah. car, well, together and as long as you can cover 
then you do a respray, so, oh, which is the style or the tone of the thing, to not notice you've stuck those two things together. We used yep. to sometimes, when we were writing Framley, write, we couldn't write the whole sketch down or the whole idea down. We'd just go cut and shut, canoeing, and funerals. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that meant that when you came to later write up the whole thing, you went, oh, everything I know about canoeing, everything I write about funerals. And then in the style of a news story or a, yeah. an advert thing, and you just spray over it so you can't see the join. And, then, and you're saying like, it's, it's spraying the joins so you can't see them, but actually some of the most beautiful, physically, aesthetically beautiful people in the world are mixed race yeah. because it's two very different influences <laughs> that I always imagine a lot of, you know, my kids are mixed race and I think they're beautiful, but sometimes it's, it's almost like they grow into their looks and suddenly they're the most amazing looking people and it's something new and yeah. also it's, it's not just like you know like forcing things together it becomes its own beautiful hybrid chimera but it's it's, its own entity there's a harmony and a balance yeah. that doesn't happen with only one influence I yeah. suppose yeah. what I suppose is magical about this this show then is that it says that my influences have come from everywhere here's all my comedy influences yeah. and here's all my musical influences these are the two most important things in my life I can get them both into harmony in this show. Yeah. And weirdly, and again, within even the comedy, here's the darkness I enjoy and here's the whimsicality I enjoy. And the balance of all those things mixed together, it's, uh, it has been, and the show has been mixed. Yeah. It's been mixed like an album. It's yeah. Adrian yeah, it's, Sutton. Adrian it? Sutton doing the sound. Yeah. The sound design is absolutely oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's is astonishing. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It's a slab. I mean, it's just so, it's like eating a Dundee cake. And it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's almost not hard to digest, but it's like, it's hard to think of anything more. Just even labour intensive, whether it worked or mm. not. Yeah, I happen to think it's the most beautiful thing that's ever been made, but if it hadn't worked, he still put the bloody hours in. <laughs> there was a yeah. lot of it as well, wasn't there? There's three, three series, three series of mm. six hours each. Well, my, my, my only my only worry as, is that I and I've said this before. I think that as an as a nation, not as an Asian, but as a nation, we should sponsor Chris Morris. So, he's <laughs> a, so that because I worry because his work is so labour intensive. I worry how he makes a living because <laughs> genuinely I do and I think we should all I'd happily give a fiver a week I think we all should Should we ring fence attacks? Uh, no I think so I think you know in, in the old side I think we should we should sponsor Chris Morris to what the hell he likes and whether he chooses to make anything else or not I don't care just the possibility that he might make something else Does that yeah. give you hope? Yeah yeah He's one um, of those. He's one of those creatives like Bjork or Radiohead, where the the key thing is just please just let them do what they want to yeah, do. Just leave them yeah. alone. Leave them alone. Let them do what they want to do. Leave them alone. Do. And if it fails, it fails. I don't really care. But um, yeah, I just think that he he's so like he's on another planet. I think you <clears> know, in terms of you know, and 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 you know, like we were saying before that when 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 him and Armando do things like that, and it, it does it inspires people. It shows them that you know actually. Don't be limited. Don't be lazy. You know, it certainly influenced my writing in that way. Like when we write fags, bags, and bags, I'm 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 always on a dawn and say there must be a better word than that. There must be a word <laughs> than that. And then that definitely comes from listening to probably blue jam or anything else. Yeah. Big influence. Big influence. Just you know, uh, use English language and then abuse it, but make, you know, make it even more beautiful. And absolutely, he needs to be given license to to do that more. The lovely bit in one of the opening monologues where he's describing waking up on a damp patio with a court of snails in session <laughs> round your head. <laughs> Again, during the opening monologue, when um, when you emerge from cupboard all crumbling into dust and, and everyone says, ooh, what's un telly? 
Just change the on to un. What's what, un? What's un telly? <laughs> that's simple. I, that's simple. But when I first heard it, well, I can't, what's, what is the first monologue? Uh, when, that is, is, that is uh, Infinite Misery Jumper. Is it the Infinite yeah. Misery Jumper, pulling it over and over your yes. head because it replicates the, the waistband? Waist. <laughs> I remember I was listening to it going, I haven't the faintest fucking clue where I am here. I do <laughs> not know where I'm absolutely at sea with this programme. I was expecting, this is the guy who did Brass Eye, I was expecting, what? what what's this? The most disappointing thing that can happen if you're writing comedy, is to think that the thing you've written is the best thing in the world. And I think it's always necessary that someone out there be making something much, much better than you so you can keep aiming for it. And I, yes. think, I, I find it very dispiriting when I watch TV or listen to stuff and go, I'm enjoying it, but I reckon I could do that. And I think that one of the things that Chris Morris remains constantly there as is an example of someone who I can't quite reach. Asymptote. Is that the word? Mathematical word for um, a curve. It doesn't quite reach the line. It's very, very close, but doesn't quite reach. Chris Morris is our asymptote. What a lovely thought. Let's head towards an asymptote. Uh, thank you very much <laughs> for thank bringing you, Sam. Your Been a pleasure, and thank you very much, guys. I've really enjoyed this. 